this confession that we're about to make is so important. And I always like to stress, we're not just saying words. We're not just saying words. We are actually telling the Lord to help us. The reason for that is, there's nothing you can do outside of God. You don't even have ears to hear Him outside of Him. He has to give you ears. And that's why Jesus will always say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And I'm asking God, please give me ears so I can hear. Because that's the only way you will be obedient to His Word. So let's make our confession before the Lord. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. I want to uh, let you all know, before I go into the message, we have a system when you're new to our church. We just don't want you to worship with us and just be a part, but also to serve. We also have small group meetings, and we, have, where we actually want you to plug into that. Find out from Pastor Shelley, and uh, she'll help you to find your place in that. But also we have the growth track, growth track where you come in and we take you through four classes, one each week. We feed you and uh, during that time so you don't feel like I have to go out. I want to go back for my lunch. Bid the Baptist to the restaurant. <laughs> Uh, but we feed you lunch, and then we tell you about our church, and then we give you a test to find out what giftings you have, because God gave those giftings to you, and then you can make a choice as to where you want to serve. I've always, I've always believed this. There is worship and there is service. You can worship God all you want, but God didn't tell the children of Israel leave, to leave Egypt to come and worship Him. He said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. So worship is part of service, service, but worship is not all of service. So you must worship God and serve him. And that's where Jesus responded to Satan, we worship and we serve. Amen? So please, uh, we'll be starting our growth track. If you're new and uh, you really, God has touched your heart, you want to be a part of us, please sign up and uh, join us so you can help us with the work God has given to us to do here at the Ark Fellowship. Uh, today I want to continue with the message, uh, The Prodigal. Uh, I titled it just simple message, The Prodigal, because of what it offers to us as humans. The message in this, that particular message, prodigal, actually tells of the power of repentance. The power of repentance, especially when you have turned away from God. And we all have. From before we met Jesus, we turned our way, away from God. We were doing our own things. But then the message came to us. We thought about it. And then we came back to God. Is the power of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What grace can do in our lives. The, the story of the prodigal. And we started that last week. And we'll continue this week. 
when you, for whatever reason, leave closeness to God, serving God, when you, for whatever reason, have stopped going to church, stop praying, stop reading your Bible, you're distancing yourself from God. And when you distance yourself from God, you depart from Him. And you remember the scripture. We hear these scriptures, but we don't think it's not hard to get close to God. It's not hard. It's a decision. Anyone can make that decision. It's not as difficult as we think. You want to hear from God? It's not hard to hear from Him. He's, he's been speaking. You just haven't been listening. It's very easy to come to God. It's all up to me. Because the Bible says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. God cannot lie. He said that. So if you don't feel close to God, you're departed. And that's what the prodigal son did. He wanted to be away from his father. So he went to a far country. So his father didn't have any influence over his life. He wanted to be on his own. And when you do that, you go with God, you go into a state of sin. And that's where we stopped last week. The state of sin. Because now, righteousness doesn't have any influence over your life. God's Spirit doesn't have any influence over your life. It's not there with you. Now you are open and vulnerable to Satan. And you think you call it freedom, but it's really bondage. And he's going to get you a whole lot of trouble. It says, the, the son, going, going back to the story, told his father, I want you to give me what falls to me. Now, it's not please. He says, give me what falls to me from your estate. And he said, after a few days, in verse 13 of Luke chapter 15, after a few days, he gathered everything and he went into a far country, away from his father to be his own man. So that's the state of sin. Now, if you go that way, the Bible said he began to spend all his possessions in prodigal living. He wasted. So the state of sin is also a state of waste. Sin can cause you to waste a lot of time. Precious time. The time that you could be spending with your children. You are doing something that you shouldn't be involved in. You waste your resources. You waste your energies. That's what sin is. And it's not bringing anything good to you but evil. And that's what this young man found. It was a wasteful state. And he tells us, after that, he began to be in want. Now, sin has its pleasure. You go away from God for a while. It seems everything is going well, but don't think it will stay that way. Not when you are fellowshipping with the enemy, because before long, things will begin to go south. He began to be in want. So, sin, the sinful state is a state of want. He needed something. And notice after that, it says, soon after he spent everything, it says, then there came a severe farming. 
A severe famine came and he began to be in want. And that's the place the devil always wants us to be. You see, Adam wanted to be, Adam and Eve, they wanted to be their own people. They didn't want anything with God. They wanted to be just like God, having, for whatever reason, having their own knowledge of what's good and what's evil. And God, they did it, and now they found themselves naked and ashamed and needing God. And so it puts you in a state of want. Number three is it puts you in a state of servitude where you have to serve. You notice he says, when things got very difficult, in verse 14, things got very difficult, and then he joined himself to a man, a citizen of that country. You know what that means? When you are not with God and you are in the world, and you are joining yourself to a citizen of that country, what you're doing is actually joining yourself to Satan or the demons there. And guess what they wanted him to do? They sent him out to the field to feed the swine. They sent him out to feed swine. Now, for a Jew, there is no going lower than that. A Jew does not feed swine. That's pretty bad for a Jew. But that's where he went. You know, in the time of Jesus, if you read in John chapter 8, the Jews were arguing with Jesus because Jesus said, just continue with my words. Continue acting on my words. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They said, no, 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 we're free. We're free. We haven't been slaves to anyone. You're wrong, Jesus. We're free. And Jesus made a statement in chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 34. He says, he who commits sin is a servant or a slave of sin. If you are sinning, you are a slave of sin. And Jesus said, a slave does not abide in the house forever. You know, you hear about Christians, well, I'm saved, I'm I'm going to heaven So basically they're saying, I'll do whatever I want. It doesn't work that way. If you sin and you practice sin, you are a slave of sin. And Jesus says, a slave does not abide in the house forever. We're talking about forever. This is forever. We're not just staying with Jesus for some time. We're talking about in the house, that's with God forever. If you continue to sin... You are a slave of sin. And a slave cannot remain with God forever. Only a son will. The son is the one who continues to stay with the father. Doing the will of the father. This story tells us that. When you're gone and we're coming to it, you're dead to the father. You're no longer part. You're still a son, but you're dead. You're not alive at home. So a slave is not a part of the family. And you can't stay. And so if you're a slave of sin, you can't stay in the house. You're not going to be there forever. Forever in heaven. So the sinful state is a state where you continually sin. You're a slave. Slave to sin. People want to be free. No, that's not freedom. 
you know, I mean, there are symptoms. We, sometimes we deal with the symptoms of sin. But it's, it's, it's actually what people do as symptoms of things that are even deeper inside of them. I mean, I've seen people that so, they're so hooked on smoking. I mean, they'll take just, when they can buy one, get a cigarette butt and try to smoke from it. That's bondage. That's not freedom. That's where sin gets people. So, is, is that situation. Now, then, notice the Bible says, in verse 16, he began to feel like, I can get, I, I like to satisfy my stomach with the husk that the swine they're eating. This, is, this was a prince. We all have been made by God to be princes and, and princesses before him. But when you depart from God, this is where he found himself. Sent, as a, sent like a servant into the field to feed swine. There were people in the Old Testament, Jews, that were sent to the field, but they were sent to feed sheep. You remember David? And it seems like in the Old Testament, those that were out doing stuff with animals, mainly sheep, and goats and all of that, it seems like after a while, God brings them from the field and they become something great. Think about Moses, right? David, Jacob, out in the field. God has a way. But they were feeding sheep. Now, this guy, he's been sent out to feed what? Swine. That's the sinful state. But you know what, what's good about this? He's so beautiful. He went so low. So low. That the grace of God was able to reach down that low and took him from that pit and brought him all the way back. I feel like shouting. <laughs> All the way back to his father's bosom. That's the grace of God. Doesn't matter how far you've gone, God can bring you back. But he went so low trying to be his own man. That's not freedom. Staying with the father. That's true freedom. That's when you have great peace. Notice he went from that to that state where he wanted to feed with the swine. When you stay away from God, you get into a place of perpetual dissatisfaction. Nothing apart from God satisfies. I've been there. You can try, there is a God-shaped vacuum inside of you. You heard that before. It's there. And people try to fill that thing with all kinds of stuff. It will not satisfy. No matter how hard you try to make yourself satisfied in life, apart from God, you can't do it. Not even satisfied. They even have a hit song about that. You know about that? A hit song, I can't get no what? You know that? I can't get no. And they dance to it. They already know. That there is nothing satisfied. I can get no satisfaction. No matter what you try, I can get it. It's a hit. They dance to it. 
They're happy about it. They're laughing, but it's not funny. <laughs> Nothing satisfies. Nothing satisfies. You've got to have God. Once you're outside His presence, you try everything. You have all the cars and everything, and you still feel empty. You still feel like you're with the swine. You don't feel right about life. And sometimes you are afraid. What if I die? What happens? Even the wealthy, very wealthy, their lives all disjointed. Only God satisfies. You can't find satisfaction outside of God. And number six is, when you're out, you're dead. The father says in verse, 20, uh, verse 24, this my son was dead when he came back home. Now he's alive. Dead means when you go outside the presence of God, it's death. But the more you stay in his presence, the more life you have in you. And the more cleansing you have inside. Once you stay around him, life is good. And yes, we go through difficulties. But you are not alone. And you can never be alone. You go through it with him. Everywhere you go. The way Jesus and his disciples were everywhere he went for three years. They didn't have to worry about their bills. He was paying their bills. He didn't, they didn't have to worry about their taxes. Jesus was taking care of them. And Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, Those that you gave to me while I was in the world, I kept them. I kept them. None of them was lost. They had no wants. When they needed to pay their taxes, he said, Peter, go to, this, go to that river, get that first fish. Open his mouth, and you get some coin. Pay for your bill and my bill as well. When you're with him, you got no wants. He stays with you. It's death when you're outside of him. You're lost when you're out of him. The seventh thing is, the sinful state is a state of madness. Sometimes, I think Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I don't understand, I don't understand myself. Have you read that? That's the sinful state. I don't know. I want to do good. But evil is present with me. You remember that scripture? It says, in my heart, I love to do good. The sinful state is a state of madness. The Bible says in the scripture here, when he came to himself, you remember that scripture? Verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread? If he came to himself, that means he was not in himself all this time, right? He was beside himself. He was nuts, crazy. The sinful state is a state of madness. Sometimes you hear, guys, he's gone out. This is the sinful state. He's gotten drunk, right? He gets back home. He beats his wife and terrorizes his kids. And, and they call the cops. And they handcuff him and take him to prison. And then he gets out. And then he gets to his friends. The next day he said, well, we really had a good, good time last night drinking. What good time? That's not good time. If that was good time for you with all the destructions in, the, in your path, 
What will your bad time look like? That's the same for saying. What's good, what's wrong, so bad, he thinks it's okay. It's a lot, it's madness. I've seen on television, a man has a wife, now he has a girlfriend, he could divorce his wife. You understand that? Have you seen stuff? And you're wondering, is he really thinking? Instead of divorcing his wife, because he wants his girlfriend, he kills her. This is happening. Is it normal? That's the sinful state. That's the sinful state. It's a state of madness. Where you're doing things that you don't, don't, does not make sense. And until God brings you to your right mind, you won't see that this, what you're doing is wrong. A man is a amassing wealth, cheating, stealing from people. Something inside him tells him, one day I'm going to be caught, right? But he won't stop. He's got millions stealing. You think he'll, he'll be smart enough to stop? I got millions. They never stop. Sin is crazy. You can never be satisfied with it. There is no ending to it until you've gone down. There's nowhere to stop. He's buying a yacht, stealing from people. He buys the yacht today. The government finds out about his scheme the next day. Who's going to have his yacht? That's what sin is like. It's a state of madness. We don't see it until God opens our eyes. Then we realize. Like the Bible says, when he came to his right mind. Then he decided, this is all crazy. What am I doing here? Only God can bring us to the right way of thinking about life. And until we give him a chance, we'll continue to do this crazy stuff. You see what's all going on in the world today, what sin is doing. It's crazy out there. It's really crazy out there. There's only place where there is sanity. That's getting close to God. Drawing close to your heavenly father. That's where you are protected. I think it was Marco telling me or I don't know who, somebody telling me this morning. There are two, or maybe Angela. There are two worlds in this place. There are things happening that people doing crazy stuff that will, I mean, make you to be in awe of what's going on. That's the sinful state. But thank God, God, we can get back to God. I need to move on with this message. Um, notice what happened. He decided, based on what was happening to him, he needed to go back. Let me say something to you. When something is not going all right for you, and things have turned south, and things are really bad for you, don't point to your wife. She's not the problem. And don't point to your husband. Don't find somebody who may be causing. Look first to what's happening in you. Because God uses affliction, pain, to get you in your right mind. Hello? He uses that. So when things are going bad for you, don't find some... If you're still blaming somebody else without first looking at yourself... Yes, sometimes people do that to you. But if God allows it, there is a reason. But usually, you are your worst enemy. 
So first look at the number one enemy. That's you. And wonder what's going on here. And go back to God. Where did I miss it? Because God will use affliction because He loves you so much. He allows this pain to come so that you can get in your right mind. And that's what happened to the prodigal son. It was pain from his stomach that brought him to, to the place where he could think. So God uses it. But God's not the one that's bringing it to you. Don't say God is making me suffer. No, it's not God. Uh, Point to yourself. It's not God. It's you. You started it. He left home. It wasn't his father. His father didn't make him hungry. He left home. And so God does the same with us because he loves us. He uses the affliction to correct us, but he is not the cause of it. He's not the one sending it to you. Now... Psalm 119, verse 67, this is what David says. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. (laughs) Before the pain came, I was just doing my own thing. (laughs) He says, but now, (laughs) I keep your word. I mean, I surrender. Hello? I surrender, God. I'm not doing my own thing anymore. This pain, I don't want it anymore. So that's what it is. God uses it to get you uh, to your right mind. So when I'm going through a difficult time, whether it's financial, family, whatever it is, go to the Father. Did I do something wrong? I was listening to a minister. He hadn't done anything wrong, but he was really down. Searching himself. Huge minister, well known around the world. Searching God. Where, have I, where did I go wrong? And God gave something to his wife while he was sitting there thinking about it. And the wife had no way of knowing. He, she laid her hand and said, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't. And that was like a flood of peace over his life. Now he's the enemy. Now I know he's the enemy. I can fight. But until you know he's the enemy, you can't fight. So first, Make sure you, you know for sure this is not something God has allowed because He's correcting you and trying to bring you closer to Himself. So God uses that. The second thing is consider. I think this is a fast-paced world, especially the United States. We're constantly going, right? So we can't stop. You go, you come back from work, you do something else, you go to sleep, wake up early, you're out again. We don't have time. Sit down and think. Especially when there is something going on. This young man, he thought to himself. And he said, simple. I'm here hungry. But I got, my father has servants over there. And they have bread to spare. And I'm thinking about eating with swine. I'll just go back home. (laughs) If my father doesn't want to receive me as a son... And just make me one of your servants. At least I'll get some good food to eat. That was his thinking. And that's where he started. Because he considered. Listen to what the scripture says. How, how important, important it is for us to consider. Ezekiel 18 verse 28. He says, because he considers and turns away. And turns away from all his transgressions. Which he has committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Because until you spend time thinking, you won't do anything. 
Then the next thing that you do when, if you are in trouble, if God spoke unto you, next thing is tell yourself what you need to do. Determine what to do. Determine what to do. This young man thought to himself, that's the part we consider. I'd like to share this scripture, uh, Psalm 84 verse 10. For a day in the courts, in your courts, is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. So when you consider you're going back home, that's what this young man had done. But then do something about it. Determine what to do. He decided exactly what he was going to do. That's very important. You're going back home. Notice, he didn't have to give those guys any notice. Right? When God shared with you and you know what to do, don't stop. Take off. If you sit down and think about it, They'll convince you to stay. Don't even talk to them. He left. Amen? (laughs) Just take off. Decide exactly what to do and do it. When God tells you to do something, that's the time to do it. Unless He said to you, wait. If He didn't say anything to you, if He said do it, that's the right time to do it. Not two hours later. If you do it two hours later, that's delayed obedience. And that may not be obedience as far as God is concerned. Because you missed the time. The timing is so important. When God tells you to do something for somebody, there is a reason. Don't meditate on it. Just go ahead and do it. It comes to you, you're wondering where where are these thoughts coming from? If it's good, act on it immediately. God likes it when you act immediately on his word. Remember the guy that had a withered hand? And Jesus said to him, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says, immediately he stretched out his hand. And the hand was restored like the other. What if he had said to Jesus, I can't do that. Would you help me do it? Guess what? His hand was still wavers. He immediately acted on it. That's faith. When God has spoken to you. Now, in a situation like we're talking about with the prodigal son, and you going back to your heavenly father to talk to him, make sure you decide before you approach him what you're going to say. A lot of Christians pray without even thinking about what they are going to say to the father. That's not going to get a whole lot done. That's why people who write their prayers down, their prayer needs down, They know what they want. The Bible says in Isaiah, come with your strong arguments. Let me read the scripture. So a lot of people go to God without even thinking about what they are going to say to him. You wouldn't do that if the president of the United States has called you or you're going to the president to say something to him and you won't think about what to say and just walk in and say whatever you want. 
That's not going to happen. Why are you doing it with the king of kings? That's why our prayer is not getting answered. He decided, I'm going to go to my father, and I will say to him, these and that. But we don't do that to God. We don't get our prayers answered because we never thought through it. Before coming to the king, you walk into his court, his throne room, and you haven't decided what you are going to say. And you expect answers from whatever you just thought of while you were right there, and you speak them out and say, well, I want the answer now. And walk that way. He sees everything. You get to determine, this thing is hurting me, I'm going to say to him, and I'm going to tell him, this is what you said in the word, and my life doesn't line up with your word, I wonder what I'm doing wrong, what's going on here. You decide what you're going to say to him before you get into the throne room. Many of us don't do that. And so we don't get an answer from our father. We need to do that. Hosea chapter 14 verse 2. It tells us this. Take words with you. Every time you go to God, take words with you. And return to the Lord. Say to Him. In other words, know what you're going to say. Take words with you every time you go to Him. Because He wants to hear what you have to say. And it's your words that's going to determine. They say to him, take away my all iniquity. Receive us graciously. For we will offer the sacrifice of our lips. In other words, they decided before they went, what you go with to God with? Words. You go to God with your words. And it's very important that you go to him with words so he will hear you. And finally... It's better you judge yourself. Judge yourself. Don't make excuses. Well, I would have, I would have done better if it was not for... You know what uh, Adam did? <laughs> you remember that? That doesn't get you anywhere. Not with God. It's the woman that you gave me. It's the woman that is your fault. If you hadn't given me that woman, I wouldn't have done this. It was not the woman. You could have said no, you did. It was, you were part of it. You don't find redemption when you're blaming somebody else. Judge yourself. And the Bible always says if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. So this is that. And that's what this young man did. There's a lot to learn from the story of the prodigal son. He judged himself. I'm not worthy to be your servant. I mean your son anymore. Make me as one of your servants. You don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to accept me. Just let me come in. I'll serve you. I'll be, a, I'll be a, one of your slaves. One of your servants. He judged himself. But guess what? The father will not judge you. Amen? He says, come on, brother. Come on. Come. He's talking, but the father is not listening. <laughs> <laughs> he's so glad to have his son back. Amen? Our Heavenly Father is so glad to have us back, no matter what you've done. But you need to acknowledge what you've done and declare that it was wrong. 
so it can be put away as far as the east is from the west. That's the way God is for us. He loves us dearly. Amen? Bow your heads this morning. We have an awesome God. Can I hear an amen? He is a loving God. He's a good Father. He loves us dearly. We can always come back to Him. And that's what I feel like we should do today. I know every one of us here, but maybe in your heart, you have wandered away from our God, that you want to come back home to God today, and you want to dedicate your life, rededicate your life, or dedicate your life to God for the very first time, you got the opportunity. And remember what I said, based on scripture, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Do you have any difficulty some problem, find out from God. That's the first thing. First thing, God, what did I do wrong? If you, if you, generally, if there's a problem, God will immediately let you know you shouldn't have done that. You open the door. But if you can't find anything and you're still feeling bad, that's condemnation from the enemy. Throw it away and begin to fight. Do the fight. Yeah, the good fight. And God will give, uh, put you through. Amen? But let's all draw near to God this morning in your heart. Can you imagine seeing yourself drawing so close to God this morning? Every one of us. Every one of us. If you this morning feel like you've walked away maybe just a little bit from our God, or maybe a whole lot, and you're saying, I want to come back to my God, I want to serve Him with all of my heart. No holding back. That's my heart's desire. If that's you, would you put your hand up quickly and put it back down? Thank you. I see that. See. Thank you. That's wonderful. I see your hand there. Thank you. That's wonderful. I'm coming back home. That's what it is. I'm coming back to the Father. And I'm going to tell you as a child, a servant of God, that God is receiving you, welcoming you back home now, right now. And forget all of those things. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So I've entered into Christ this morning because she said, Jesus, I'm welcoming you into my life. And if you've meant that in your heart, then you are welcome. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're drawing closer to you. We want to be so near you, God. Take over our lives. We surrender to you, our God. Make us what you will. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Stand up. We're closing. But I'm going to be up here. I felt very strongly. If you're sick, especially if you have a back problem, can you come up? I'm going to be praying for you. If you're sick, you have a back problem. I keep getting the back problem from the service. Please come up. We're going to pray for you. And your back will be okay. But whatever the problem is, come. But we'll be closing right now. Amen. Let's lift our hands up as we close. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your spirit that's here today. Thank you for your word that cannot return to you void. Thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I bless those that have come to to visit with us and to worship with us today. Let your goodness and mercy go with them. 
from this day forth and forever. In the name of Jesus, go with your people. Show them great favor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.